Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. He's a gorilla of destiny. A bullet club OG. Continuing on the legacy of the most feared name in all of wrestling. From Tonga to Japan to America, you are now entering Tamas Island with your host, the babyface heel, Tamatonga. All righty, folks, we are live. It's Tuesday, September 28th. You're all here on Tamas Island Twitch channel i am your your co-host as always the culture vulture the disruptor the folk city hustler ross w berman the fourth now as i'm sure you all are noticing it's uh it's kind of a an interesting week this week because tama as we all know is currently taking part in the g1 we've been very lucky with the travel schedule so far we've been able to get a lot of tama during the g1 but tonight Tonight, unfortunately, Tama has some preparation to do. He is facing Hiroshi Tanahashi in, I want to say, around 12 hours from now. And so he's got a lot on his mind, but he will be hanging out in the Twitch chat. So subscribe to that Twitch chat over at twitch.com slash Tama's Island. I'm Ross Berman, but I'm not alone this week. I got a couple of damn good co-hosts helping me out to, to talk about the past week in wrestling. First, uh, but first, uh, we've got to bring on... A, a big time return, the one, the only, he used to help produce this show. He has been a, 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 a true asset to the island and just to wrestling in general. It's the one, the only, Steve K is back. Steve, welcome back to the island. How are you doing? How have you been? What's up, guys? Um, I've been good. Turns out when they put you on that lifeboat off nope. of Thomas Island, you just kind of float there, and eventually the current just brings you right on back. <laughs> yeah, yep. it's like the Bermuda Triangle. The current never actually takes you anywhere else. It just cycles you back onto these shores. Um, but we're, we're real happy to have you. Steve was, was this week in uh, Queens for the AEW show. He's been doing a lot of fun stuff. We'll get to that in just a moment, but Steve's not the only person joining us this week. This week, we also have... Karen, Karen, how are you doing? Longtime Island member. And now not only uh, are you here co-hosting, you're also covering the five-star Grand Prix for stardom uh, for, for post.com uh, for post wrestling. How have you been, Karen? Welcome back to the uh, welcome back to the island. It, you know what they say? You can always come home. Mm-hmm. The diva of the dive shack. She's come home. <laughs> like I've missed the gang from Thomas Island so much. And it's just like, I feel like time, it hasn't been 
as long as it has been. Yep. No, because even we, we were going over it before we went live of how long it's actually been since you were away. It hadn't. It was something like six months. I was like, that didn't. It yeah. didn't even feel like you were gone that long. Granted, we follow each other on Twitter, so it's not like I. It, it's not like it's been six months of radio silence. No, but, we talk uh, pretty much daily. <laughs> but it's it's still damn good to have you back. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here, especially in the capacity we're going to be having you. Because not only uh, not only was Steve in Queens this past week, but you uh, I've been a regular. Uh, attendee at uh, NXT at the Performance Center, but you are also at the LA tapings for uh, New Japan Strong, which have just currently been airing on New Japan World. So when we're talking about that, we're going to be getting some some straight from the audience perspective on those tapings. But what a weekend and week in general in wrestling it's been. Uh, we got a I feel like we got I, I got to start real quick. We have to address the elephant in the room. The, uh, the extreme elephant, WWE Extreme Rules, happened this past Sunday. I I don't want to, like, get too deep into it simply because, for overall, it was a fine show. It was, it was per- a lot of the matches were really good. Some of the matches were great. But then the main event was, um, how do, how, how do I describe the main event of Extreme Rules? It was a, it was a very interesting match until the ending. And then uh, towards the ending... Much like you would see happen at your your regular uh, indie show or Evolve. This would happen at Evolve a lot. Uh, Finn Balor climbed the top rope in the Universal Championship match against uh, Roman Reigns. The top rope snapped. Finn uh, fell from the top rope that snapped. Roman Reigns hit the spear, and that was that was all she wrote for the demon's hopes of becoming the Universal Champion. I laughed my ass off because uh, not only did we have uh, Finn Balor snapping the top rope and and falling to the ground, there was also one point during the match where he was revived via uh, light, sound, heartbeat, all of this kind of theatrical stuff, flopping around like a fish outside the ring until uh, he, he he popped back up. Karen, you're, you're kind of chuckling. What did you think of the, the Extreme Rules uh, main event? Oh, well, see, the thing is, is that I didn't watch Extreme Rules okay. because I hate how the Peacock Network works. Yeah. I miss the WWE Network, full stop. Okay. I, I, can't, I can't stand the interface, so I, I don't even want to bother paying the money for it. But the mm-hmm. I've seen video clips of it, and I've seen reviews of it, and it's this was like the one chance they had to finally have Finn Balor and the Demon... Mm-hmm. be the thing after you know finn hurting himself as soon as he got on the main roster several years ago yep. so it was just like so like yes it's gonna finally oh oh no oh, yeah it, it reminded me of at wrestlemania in orlando when it was the the bray wyatt what bray wyatt versus randy orton match mm-hmm. with the the one with the projections on the, yeah, the mat with, the, with, with all the... The, like the spooky ookie dookie stuff yep I wasn't a fan. I was like, oh, nuts. This isn't how it's supposed to be. It's not supposed yeah. to go down like this. Or like, and 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 to be fair, the, the, pretty much the exact same night as Extreme Rules, they released the Seth Rollins interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin on the Broken Skull Sessions, where Seth Rollins talks about the Hell in a Cell match from a couple of years back with him and Bray Wyatt, where the ref called it off because Bray Wyatt was going to kill him with a giant mallet. Uh, and it, it felt like weird synergy to have Seth Rollins saying, I wanted to strangle Vince after that red light disaster. And then to have a second red light disaster kind of happening on uh, the Peacock app, which you're right. Peacock, there are, there's a lot they got to work on with the Peacock app. I'm in the no no commercials tier and I still get commercials for some reason. Uh, it's a it's weird. It's it's a funky time. But uh, otherwise, 
the, the show was the show was pretty good. I don't know, Steve. What did you think of the, the kind of theatrical end to uh, to Extreme Rules? It got it got goofy. Let's be real. So I full disclosure um, yep. was with worked for WWE over this yep. last year. I'm no longer with the company. Wish them nothing but the best and and all that. Um, I only catch WWE product at this point via Twitter, and okay. it's in about 30 second spurts. Yeah, I will say this. Um, when you have a guy like Roman and you have a long-term plan for him that I assume involves his cousin, yep, it's very hard to find opponents for him and make everybody look good at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You bring in the demon as someone who has never really lost on the main roster. I think he only lost once in NXT. Yep, and that was and that was, that to was Joe to Samoa Joe. So it, yeah. it clearly a, a Samoan named Joe is the weakness to the uh, that, to <laughs> the, the demon. <laughs> yep, the, the Samoan Josephs indeed. But I, I think that you book yourself into a corner, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened here. They thought they saw the marketing potential of the demon and Roman Reigns, and it's a great match on paper. Absolutely, you don't, if you don't have a way out, why even bother? And it seemed like they got to the point where they didn't have a way out. Mm-hmm. And that's why you get a rope snapping, a red light, a flash, a, a fireball, whatever you want to, whatever you want to use. Yep. They just do it with pretty grand production. Yep. No, and and I, I'm also not, I'm also not a fan of Peacock, by the way. They're also uh, trying to take all of NBC off YouTube TV, which I don't like either. Oh uh, yeah. I just, I actually just heard that from Sean Ross He was talking about how he's got a, he's trying to move away from YouTube TV cause they're losing NBC universal. I will note, I use sling TV. They still got NBCU. You don't get the local channels, but it, it's been working pretty well for me. Um, but yeah, it, it really does kind of feel like they are, they are stuck with Roman Reigns at the moment because he's got such a, and, and, it's it's a very good problem to have because like Roman Reigns is probably one of the best heels that WWE has right now. They cr- created this larger than life character who is quite frankly a lot better than just a lot of the roster they have right now. And so they've thrown Brock at him. He's got Brock at, at Crown Jewel. That might be a threat to the title. Steve brings up a very good point. It does always feel like The Rock is kind of lurking in the wings, especially as AEW keeps making strides in the demo. AEW keeps making strides in their area. WWE needs to start bringing in stuff they can't compete with, stuff like The Rock. I mean, I'm going to cut you off, Ross, but let's look at the next two years lined up for WrestleMania. Mm -hmm. You've You've got the Usos and Roman together right now, which I assume will continue all the way through to WrestleMania next year. Yep. You got WrestleMania the next year in Hollywood. Yep. So you do something with the family this year. Maybe it's a three-way with the two Usos versus him and the Rock, special referee, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's all going to lead for another year, just like they did with Cena and the Rock, to that next year. So how can you beat the guy right now? Well, I it's, don't know what they're going to do with Brock. Yep. No, it's it's the it's the same problem like WCW had with uh, with Hogan and Sting. Like you knew Starcade was going to be Hogan versus Sting, but you had to wait until December, and that leaves a whole lot of time. And I mean, WCW got creative. You had stuff like Lex Luger beating Hogan for like a week, and then Hogan takes the the belt back. And so there might be some folks who might be able to take down Roman Reigns, but it does kind of feel like. I mean, to to really to to tie this topic into our next topic, it feels like there's no one. That, like, I don't even think I I do believe they're going to bring in the Rock at some point. I don't even think the Rock's going to beat Roman Reigns because it really does almost feel like they're building to that Roman Reigns taking over the family kind of thing. And so, like, there's no one 
I feel that can can beat Roman until Braun Breaker is ready, in my personal opinion. Like, there is no one in WWE outside of NXT's Braun Breaker that has been kind of presented in a way that makes me believe that they could beat Roman. Not even the Demon, not even... I mean, Brock, I think, will be a fun match at crown jewel but i don't see roman losing i just it they really they really have kind of put themselves in a corner with this unbeatable champion and so it 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 kind of it kind of puts more pressure on raw it puts more pressure on nxt to have the more compelling title uh programs now that the the universal title is kind of wrapped up it's like it's kind of like how it was when brock would kind of have the universal belt and go away for a while except this time he's on TV every week. And I, I feel like it's it's had a a very different effect, whereas like now Roman is the main character of WWE, not just SmackDown, but like he, he showed up on Raw. He was the main character. Like as I'm talking about Braun Breaker as someone to beat Reigns, so he's feeling like the main character of NXT. But uh, it does kind of, it feels like, it feels like they've created a, they've created a Goliath. They've created an, an, an unbeatable monster. Uh, but let's let's talk about NXT for a second because NXT has kind of gone through this dramatic shift over the past couple weeks. We are on, we are now two weeks into NXT 2.0. Gone are the chain link fences. Gone are the plexiglass. Gone is the black and yellow and the darkly lit arena that makes it feel like the the one sport from the year 2034 where all of the all of the winners get clean water. And it's got that very dystopian feel. Now it feels more, more open. It feels like the next generation uh, of of superstars. Karen has been at the past couple weeks of NXT, and you were also a, a pretty frequent uh, 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 attendee of NXT when it was in the the black and yellow. How has the change kind of been for uh, the, between NXT and NXT 2.0? What 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 has that kind of vibe been like? As someone who's been going to NXT regularly since about 2016. It's mm. there. I was very worried that there would be growing pains of some sort because it it felt you know the color scheme alone going from a dark black almost all black arena with like LED boards and yellow only to pretty much very Florida beachy vibes with like you know Nickelodeon color palette over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I am glad that the barricades with the plexiglass and the fences are gone, so you can actually see what's going on in the ring. Mm-hmm. There is a, like, if you're sat in the front row, there is a low plexiglass, you know, to protect everybody's knees, but it really doesn't do anything because you can reach right over it. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say, it's like the barricades from, it's not quite the the full audience shield. It's just like yeah, the barricades it's, of old. It's, it's, just like, it's just like a lap barrier, sort of. Yep. And on Tuesday last week, I sat behind commentary. So when the main event, when they chucked Pete Dunne <laughs> over the commentary, his yeah. feet swung over the barricade and almost hit me and my friends. So oh, like, damn. I was like, <laughs> back at nxt because there were always moments like that in when we were in full sale because you were you know you were knees to the barrier you could you know talent bump into people and stuff like that so it felt it had that kind of an old callback like a a post-pandemic somewhat return to normalcy but the room actually looks a lot bigger now because it's so bright the Mm -hmm. The wall, the entrance area, it, it looks like they took like a raw or smackdown like entrance LED board and just shoved it in the corner <laughs> of, okay. across the whole wall where like the gym is. Like I think the performance center gym and all that is right behind it, like the trainer's room. Mm-hmm. So it, it lights up the entire room. Okay. Uh 
there's the really neat thing is that it kind of feels you know when they had the it's not really NXT 2.0. It's kind of 3.0. I was gonna say because there was there was an kind original. 3.0. Yeah, there there was an original version of NXT where uh, they had the mentor mentee yep. sort of pairing, and I've noticed that the matches they've made the last couple of weeks, a lot of it has been pairing the mm-hmm. NXT mainstays, which who are probably gonna get drafted in the next week, with a lot of the brand new talent. Mm-hmm. Whether it's you know adding someone to a stable or you know p- pairing up the, the women's tag match for tonight is two brand new people that were brought into the PC in the last year. Yes, one of them is from the Indies, but the other one I mm-hmm. I'm still learning who all the new people are. Yep. No, and, but and, it's it's kind of feels like they're getting ready to pass the torch, and I think that's the dynamic they're going for. Mm-hmm. Is that they can't rely on people like you know Samoa Joe who was in NXT, left NXT, came back to NXT, became champion. Or Champa, who's been there his entire career since 2016. Mm-hmm. And it does it does kind of feel like they are, like, because you bring up the draft. If we're going to get real deep into NXT, it feels like they're setting Champa up for to, to leave. Because, like, he first he wins the NXT title after Samoa Joe has to vacate it for medical reasons. Then the next week, he's the one doing the big rah-rah speech in the ring with all of the baby faces being like, look, this is NXT 2.0. I'm your champion. The new day begins now. He, like, he was basically John Cena, but bald. Uh, it was a very, <laughs> no, it was, it was very inspirational. It was very rah-rah. And then they, they, they teamed him up with Braun Breaker in a tag match against, I want to say, Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland. Correct. Yeah, and so... They, I, you, you definitely are kind of seeing, and and Dunn and Holland follow that same kind of mold that Breaker and and Champa follow. Of you've got a mainstay, you've got a kind of newer guy. Um, I think with Kushida in the dynamo, Diamond Mind. Yep, yep. Because uh, Diamond Mind is, boy, they got a lot of, especially the twins. They got those big, like large twins. That I don't know their names yet, but I know I they. I don't know throw, them either. I'm yeah, still learning them. If, all I know is Diamond Mind has two large twins that throw people around, and we'll learn their names soon, I'm sure. But uh, it it does kind of go to it does speak to the the just how many new faces there are because it does kind of feel like every five minutes on that show they're introducing a new person to you or you're seeing another face where I'm like, wait a minute, who the hell is that? Shout out to Sandman in the chat. The Creed Brothers. The Creed Here Brothers are the name of the. Uh, the, the the two large twins that throw people around like and the, they have the, Ivy Nile. Oh my gosh, Ivy Nile. Yep, yeah, who's a she's big like ass kicker, five foot flat, but she's yep. jacked. She's like she's tiny Jade Cargill because she's like yes. it's the same kind of she's oh a my god, Jade Cargill. You pocket Jade, stick her in your pocket. Pocket Jade. That's there it is. Um, and they got Malcolm Bivens, so that's you know that's already money. And Hideki but, Suzuki. And Hideki's Hatchy Man or whatever his new name is. Yep. No, Diamond Mine. Diamond, and they've got the the old school like 1996 laser light entrance where it, it's it makes the diamond in the center of the ring. I'm I'm sold on Diamond Mine. Um, but that that goes to show like they are really putting this focus on the future. I do want to ask Karen since you were in the arena for the the past couple of weeks, how have the responses been to stuff like the vin? Like there are a lot of vignettes on NXT right now. Like what? What did the arena, how did the arena respond to, let's, uh, first name I'm going to throw out there, Tony D'Angelo. When when the Tony D'Angelo packages showed up, what was, what was kind of the, the response? There was lots of booing, honestly. Yeah. It's, yeah. <sighs> sorry, that was my dog. She's That's getting okay. grumpy. Yeah, no, she, um, even she's not a D'Angelo fan. She, she, she's not down with D'Angelo either. But the thing is, is that it's, when you have a lot of video packages, mm-hmm. I feel like that when you post edit it you just shove them in there but when you're doing it you're showing to do the show live 
you have to sit through them. Yeah. And when there's a lot of them, the crowd gets kind of antsy. Okay. And at least now we all have chairs. When the original uh, Thunderdome NXT mm-hmm. CWC started, if you were around the barricade, you were standing the four oh. hours you were there. Jeez. So if you wanted to sit down, you had to mm-hmm. sit on the concrete floor and not see what was going on. So okay. it's better that everyone has a seat now and there's no standing room, mm-hmm. but it's still one of those things where it's just like uh, some of, some of the, the vignettes that they do could honestly be done on, you know, YouTube on the PC YouTube channel or yeah. on their social media. It just eats up a lot of time. And then yeah. you have very short matches Okay. Or very long in-ring segments that don't need to be as long as they need to be. Yeah, it it does kind of feel like they're they're grabbing a f- bit more of the main roster pacing, where it, it's more about establishing the characters, it's more about establishing the story. I mean, don't get me wrong, I loved the the Indy Hartwell Dexter Loomis wedding. I thought that that was it was a fantastic moment, and I think they had a lot of great stuff that came out of it. But if if you are you know an old school. NXT, whatever, whatever we want to call the NXT from like 2014 to to now, whether it's 2.0, whether it's 1.5 or or however you want to kind of call it, that was not a wedding show. That was a show where, you know, you got a a 20 minute tag match, maybe a couple other matches, and then you you bounce around to the next one. And so does it feel like the shorter, uh, the shorter matches are kind of uh, uh, a take, maybe the crowd's getting used to the shorter matches or what do you, how do you kind of see the, the, the push and pull going between in-ring and, and crowd reaction? It feels like, and if you're, if you're not familiar with the Florida loop, the Florida loop was when NXT would have, yep. when they wouldn't have TV, they would on the weekends, usually Friday, mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday, they would do like armories and like small venues all around the state of Florida. Yeah, so for- usually the TV, the TV crew mm-hmm. would be the ones that would be going to do the, you know, the road shows around the country. Yep. But, you know, they, they would have a couple of their, you know, top talents stay and work the house shows. But by and large, whoever was going to be on TV was always on the road. Yep. So the, the house shows were mainly up and coming uh, people who had debuted or, you know, needed to get more reps or, you know, wanted to get more exposure, work on promos, try out new gimmicks and stuff like that. And they, you, there would always be the pairing of a, a PC recruit and a yep. seasoned veteran. And okay. it's kind of like they took that dynamic and put it on TV. So when it's a shorter match with mm-hmm. someone who knows what they're doing, yeah. it's really, really, really good. Yeah. And it's manageable and, you know, digestible for the crowd. When it's fresh out of the PC, still learning the ropes, but you're throwing them on TV a little too early. The crowd, can, you, if you listen to the crowd during certain matches, you can tell mm-hmm. that they're not satisfied with what they're watching. Okay. All right. So there's there is there's some trouble in there's some trouble in Winter Park. It, it's, it comes- it's it's not a hundred percent perfect. It's yep. I think it needs a bit more time. Mm-hmm. But it all depends on what's or who's going to be left after they do the draft. Yeah, and that that does kind of add that that twist is that they we're we're about to head into draft season, and so everything that's everything that's happening could be thrown to the wind uh, in a in a matter of in a matter of days. But I, I brought up his name earlier, and if we're going to talk NXT, we got to talk about him. Uh, Bronson Rex Steiner, a.k.a. Rex Steiner, a.k.a. Braun Breaker, Breaker who I personally, I, I, the minute I saw him do a gorilla press slam on Ridge Holland, got him, got him nice and high up, dropped him right on his shoulder. And Ridge is not a small guy. This is a, this is a big-ass dude that he's press slamming. 
I'm sold. The dude, he talks like a Steiner. He wrestles like a Steiner. He may not have the name, but what's in a name? I'm one of those old Shakespeare heads. A brawn by any other name will kick just as much ass. Um, how do you have Braun Breaker? Sorry to cut you off. No, no, go I for wish it. they picked a different first name for him. Yeah. Because in the last six months, they've released two other guys with Braun in their name. Yeah. Braun Strowman and Bronson Reed. Yep. A lot of bronze in, in WWE. They, they could have called him Rick Breaker, and that would have been fine. Give him an ode to his dad and call it a day. Yeah. Well, well and they, they almost named him Rex Steiner. All you gotta do is Rex Breaker. But well, they they don't own, but they don't own the Steiner name. Like I I've researched this. Like he's he's not a Steiner. He's a Rex Steiner, and so they don't own the Steiner name. And so I wouldn't be surprised if if the the brothers Rick and Scott are are holding out. But uh, if he if you can't use the Steiner name, why get rid of Rex? Why not Rex Breaker, the Breaker of Kings? I mean, that would be that's a name right there. I I'm with you, Bron. The Bron is. That's he did a Steiner a recliner during during the match, and they called it a Steiner recliner. Yep. Yep. So I mean, you you yeah. you, you can't have it, you can't have it both ways. Pick one. I don't. I you gotta, no, you, gotta you just gotta call it the breaker maker or something. Yeah. I the he's, deal breaker. The deal breaker. There you go. <laughs> he's like this is one of those cases of he's lucky he's as big and strong as he is because like I don't know a lot of guys that could survive the name Braun Breaker, but like I said, if he can gorilla press slam Ridge Holland, then like this dude's money. Like he really does fulfill what's that old rule vince mcmahon used to have you need someone that can stop people in an airport the airport rule braun breaker satisfies the airport rule um what has the and karen you're you've been there the past couple weeks what is kind of like the the audience response to braun braun been are they as sold as i am they love him okay but i think he also has that well you know that that rick bugenheim Mm -hmm. like love for like festive neon spandex so the spandex apparently in 2021 it's coming back the singlet oh, yeah. is coming back into fashion mm-hmm. because they just lost their mind yep. and i think pairing him with champa is smart because if they're going to throw him into the deep end and put him in the main event picture right away mm-hmm. there other than johnny gargano or samoa joe there really is no one better yep. than champa to sh- show him the ropes and teach him how it's done mm-hmm yeah, and it, it does, it, and really there's no one else that's more beloved on that NXT roster right now than Ciampa. I mean, like, he, uh, unless unless they had kept Adam Cole around or something like that, like, there, he really is the only person where, like, you can immediately transfer that, we love Ciampa, Ciampa loves Breaker, we love Breaker, like that, it's a very easy transitional thing. It's the same thing with Johnny Gargano, because yep. when they started trying to make him a heel, and he was having matches against Austin Theory. Mm-hmm. We weren't having any of it. We're like, no, no. Johnny Wrestling is the heart of NXT. You, I don't care if you try to make him heal, make him a bad guy. Deep mm-hmm. down inside, we know what kind of wrestler and what kind of person Johnny Gargano is. And he is a good guy mm-hmm. who loves NXT and loves the fans. Thomas Island listeners, as guys, so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair, from how it feels after getting a fresh cut to the way it's perfectly styled before we go out, and then we get into our 20s and our 30s, and we start to notice those first signs of hair loss. Oh, it definitely starts to feel like panic time. Because let's face it, no guy ever really wants to go bald, but thankfully, there's now an easy way to keep your hair with Keeps. 
Did you know that two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35? The only way to really prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. And Keeps makes it very easy. You don't have to go to your doctor's office for hair loss prescriptions. Now, all you have to do is visit a doctor online, get your hair loss medication delivered right to your home, and start now. That's right. They make it easy, and they deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to hanging out in the pharmacy checkout lines and all those awkward doctor visits. And also, they have the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You may have tried them before, but you've never tried them for this price. Again, you have to start while you still have hair left to save, and treatments can typically take between four to six months, so it's important to act fast. And if you want that first month free, go to Keeps.com backslash Tama. That's right, Keeps.com backslash Tama for your first month free. Head on over to Keeps.com and keep the hair you have while you still have it. And, and they did a very good job of kind of transitioning that into, instead of making him a heel heel, he just becomes the main antagonist in the Indy Hartwell-Dexter Loomis relationship, where he's not a, you know, yes, he's technically still a bad guy because he's, he's in the middle of it, but he can be a little more lovable, he can be a little bit more uh, empathetic. And so you're I, annoying older brother, you're just like, exactly. leave me alone, stop! Yeah, stop. It, like... Like, and it, it, you can either be like, oh, I like Johnny Gargano because he's protective of his older sister. Like, I didn't like it. It felt a little father knows best to me. And so I'm just sort of, but like, at the same time, I think that that works. You know, it was, it was the vibe that they were, they were going for. And especially if Candace is going to be, you know, kind of off to the side for the next however many months uh, with, with the future baby wrestling. Baby then, wrestling. Yeah. Then like, it, it does, it, it has been an interesting way to kind of, you, <laughs> To, no pun intended. It's been an interesting way to use the way, um, and so uh, it, it, it. There are some. There are some real. Again, yes, the matches are shorter. There's a lot more in-ring segments. I'm not still not entirely sure where Tony D'Angelo's from. He says he's from Chicago, but he has interests on the the docks in the Atlantic. So there's there's he still like he's from Jersey. I'm not gonna lie. No, he, Jersey he, or Long Island, it's one of the two. I'm I will be. To, I'll I'll go full Chicago on this. He sounds like one of the kids from Melrose Park who is like I'm <laughs> I'm from Chicago. I've watched a lot of Boardwalk Empire. My grandfather worked for Torio because everyone's grandfather worked for Torio, and like I know that guy i just once he starts talking about the docks and connections in the atlantic i'm like no we're not a docks town we're we're trucks and teamsters we're uh you know we're we we, don't get me wrong chicago has plenty of plenty of guys like tony d'angelo they're just not they're not wandering around the calumet fisheries um that that's my only point but it and while while karen's uh kind of taking a quick uh moment this is a good time to kind of start transitioning over because and hang on i got a siren going by that. Something's on fire in Chicago. It's probably one of the one of the vacant fashion wholesalers up on Clark Street. They're always burning did down you, those buildings. Did you see the Ulta store that keeps getting robbed in Chicago? Yep. Yep. Well, it's it's one of those big glass uh, stores too. So it it's gonna. I don't know. That that always tends to happen. Uh, yeah. No, Chicago. We're. It's always fun in Chicago. We just found out that our mayor has been meeting people in the park like Tony Soprano. Uh, it's it's been re- just it's gonna get shadier, but uh, yeah, NXT 2.0 going through a, a fun little renaissance. And 
AEW had a pretty damn good week. Not only did Tony Khan announce that uh, they've apparently uh, finally broken a profit uh, after investing in a video game and investing in a wrestling company, but they they did a damn big show in Queens, New York, Arthur Ashe Stadium, just around, I, I believe the final number was around 19,000. It might have been just a little bit over 20,000. Uh, but Steve, you were you were in Arthur Ashe. You were in Queens, New York for this show. What was the energy like? Like it, I I can tell TV did not do this justice. What did it sound like in that stadium? You, you know, it's funny. Like I said, since when I left WWE, I turned wrestling off for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took a lot for me to take a look back at it. Um, I parted with a few friends on a wrestling related venture that we are doing right now, and a couple of our clients work over at AEW. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I went over to the show because I had heard the buzz like everybody else of what was going on with Adam Cole, Brian, and and Punk. Um, I've been to the Tokyo Dome. I've been to three WrestleManias. I've been to a lot of like huge moments in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, there has never been a louder building that I have been in than Arthur Ashe Stadium last week. Damn. And it was and and it was everybody got the reaction. Thunder Rose had a I think it was a dark match, monstrous reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, there wasn't the pandering to the crowd and it didn't feel like it was, you know, insulting in any way, mm-hmm. but they also knew that the, this, this audience wanted to hear the greatest hits yeah. and they gave it to them. I was going to say, cause like you said, they weren't pandering to the crowd, but like, I, I, and it's, it's definitely not pandering, but there was very much a vibe of giving people what they want. Uh, like this was, you know. The, the the Wednesday show, we immediately start off with Omega and Danielson as, as sort of this way to say like, hey, this is this is what we're doing. We'll put the title match in the main event. We're going to open with this. This is what you came to see, uh, which I, I from from what I've heard has kind of stunned people because the idea of, of Omega and Danielson opening a show uh, was was one that was not controversial, but just sort of like you don't see you don't see stars like that be that humble. Um, but then. To also add to the fact that this was also the show that was built out of the Suzuki incident, because on Rampage, we had Archer and Minoru Suzuki versus Moxley and Kingston, and that was built out of the fact that Suzuki was pissed that they didn't play his music all the way through, and so they played his music all the way through, we got that, and then not only that, but we also got Eddie Kingston main event, or uh, having a big-ass match in the in Arthur Ashe Stadium, and so it did feel like they were they were trying to, you know get as many of the things that people would have wanted from the first AEW New York show. And then Homicide showed up to just really kind of add the, the whole anything can happen in AEW vibe. What was, what was the arena like when Homicide came out for that, that brawl towards the end? Cause I, there were plenty of people who predicted a lot of things and I don't think anyone predicted Homicide showing up. Yeah. I, I think that it was, you know, it's a New York crowd. You're yep. getting, you're getting a good audience. Um, so most people knew who it was. Yep. A good amount didn't. Mm-hmm. But the people who did fucking loved it. Yep. <laughs> like it, like me personally, um, you know, I, I started my whole wrestling fandom as a fan of Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked for Ring of Honor at one point. All, all these different things. Like for me, seeing Homicide come out in New York with Eddie Kingston, that was cool. And yeah. there's not much that makes me think wrestling's cool anymore. Mm-hmm. That was one of those moments. Um, same with like Taz coming out to his classic ECW Kiss music. Yep. Um, that didn't air during the show, 
Nope. They just brought Taz out to do a promo and he it came out to War Machine. Yep. It was just like something that was so super cool. Like, like I said, they didn't insult and pander to the crowd, but they knew what the crowd wanted to see. And every so often, you kind of just got to give the audience what they want to see mm-hmm. and not tell them what you think they want to see. Exactly. What yeah, they should want to see. Absolutely. No, and, and to compare this to kind of like, I think this is why a lot of people liked the way the Big E cash-in was done, because it was very much, this wasn't pandering to Big E fans. This was just what everyone wanted to see. We wanted to see Big E spend three hours of Raw saying, hey, I'm going to cash in. And then at the end of the night, he cashed in and wins. Same thing with the the AEW Queen show. Sometimes people just want to see Eddie Kingston and Homicide. It doesn't matter if Homicide is an AEW wrestler. It doesn't matter if Homicide is you know, has never wrestled a match for AEW. If they want to see it, let them freaking see it if we can make it happen. And uh, and it it really did, it, it seemed to light that fire under people because not only did we have Eddie Kingston and Homicide, you had CM Punk taking on guys like like Powerhouse Hobbs. I mean, how is that, how is the the, the New York reaction to CM Punk? Because let's, let's be real, we've had about a month now of CM Punk coming out to a big-ass reaction. You would expect at some point the diminishing returns would start. Didn't seem like it. I don't, what did you no. think, Steve? The only disappointing part for the audience was that he came out during Dynamite. Yeah. Because he got this monstrous reaction. And they're doing the whole Chris Jericho thing where they sing along to all the words now, mm-hmm. which, by the way, huge fan of anything becoming a sing-along in yep. life, just overall. If yep. life could be a musical, I'm all in. Um. So they did that the first time he came out, he cut the promo, leaves, mm-hmm. did the song again, whole, whole nine. Mm-hmm. The only thing that got diminished by it was the fact that they had him come out twice. Yeah. The only, the only thing that saved it the second time was the fact he came out in trunks, which <laughs> a ridiculous amount of people got really excited for, mm-hmm. um, which to me wasn't a big deal, but to the people next to me was like, oh my God, he's not wearing pants. <laughs> he's back. Well, it's kind of like when Okada went through his long boy phase and everyone's mm-hmm. like, what is he doing? Where are his thighs? And then he showed up at the dome and just stripped off his entrance skirt. And everyone's like, they've returned. So yep. yeah, people wanted CM trunks. They, they missed CM trunks. <laughs> they got, and, um, and, and I'll, t- I'll tell you this, the one thing outside of what you saw on the show that I got to see, which I've never seen before at a wrestling show is, there were the way Arthur Ashe is set up is that mm-hmm. there's four floors. And if you don't have, it's kind of like Madison Square Garden. If you don't have a ticket for that floor, you can't go onto that floor. Yep. First floor had two uh, merchandise stands that the line never went down the entire night. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> at, at all yep. during matches, during the show, before the show, after the show, never died down. Um, they had sold out of the white punk shirt. They were doing a different color punk shirt, all flying off the shelves. Mm-hmm. When I talked to a buddy of mine who had two tickets, one on the first floor and one all the way up, he said, at least it's organized down here. People are literally pushing each other out of the <laughs> way to get to the merch stands on the third floor. Oof. Oh, <laughs> oh my. Well, and, and I, AEW kind of has an issue with, with merch because like when you order it online, you're never quite sure when it's going to get there. Like they have such a an o- backlog on the online orders that it really makes people want to get it when they're they're in person. They're like, I can, it's right there. I can have it now. It's not, I don't have to sit there and wait for it to go through some nebulous shipping center. And so I'm not, I'm not surprised that there are probably some people, you know, throwing each other over balconies to, to get over on that third floor merch stand. Uh, don't, don't make jokes about that. That happened over the weekend at a Padres game. Oh, shit, did it? Okay, never mind. Yeah. I'll take it back. Yeah. 
rough stuff. Um, <laughs> I will tell you this that was also pretty impressive about the merch stands. Um, I'm a I'm a numbers guy. Oh yeah, always what I was for you guys too. Yeah, do it. Um, they were saying I got nothing against Jungle Boy. I think he's great. I think he's going to be a huge star. Jungle Boy, Ray Phoenix, all those guys. They are selling hundred dollar signed action figures of them. Okay, and they're just cleaning the shelves off. Seriously, good for them. Hell yeah, bucks a piece. Unbelievable. Good for them. That's amazing. Like, cause you know that, you know that like people obviously talk about Jungle Boy and guys like that a lot, but the fact that people are actually willing to shell out a hundred dollars for a sign. So, I mean, that, that's that whole putting butts in the seats. That, that's that metric that I think all the old school promoters love to see is that is not, you know, not who's talking about them on Twitter, who's throwing down three digits in the name of, of getting a signed action figure. Good on, good oh. on them. That's fantastic. Absolutely. And, and I know the, the running joke was always that AEW is a merch company. Good for them. Yeah, they're still like, that's the thing Good is they, they have, they've gotten to the point now where the, the wrestling company is just turning a profit. Like they, they're, if you looked at, uh, I believe it was WrestleNomics just recently released a chart where you can kind of see them catching up to WWE in the demo. Uh, it, it, the fact that they still are on their merch game like that is is hilarious because they are they are still a t-shirt company they are still a merch company like they're making hand over fist on that and good on them for it well the other thing is is that they make good merch I'm not an aew fan but when I see what 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 they're putting out mm-hmm. I'm like that's a good shirt that's yep. a good shirt that's a good shirt that's a good shirt yep. and as a longtime WWE fan mm-hmm I, I I have favorites who I don't own shirts for because I'm just like I love you, but I wouldn't be caught dead in that. Oh yeah, no, it's it <laughs> it is kind of a low bar when you you go into the WWE merch. I'm glad that I'm glad at AEW is kind of as big as they've gotten. They still have kind of kept that ROH New Japan independent mentality of like I I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those wrestlers are sourcing their own graphics and you know have some input into what their shirts day instead of just someone you know slapping let me in across the crotch of some shorts and calling it a day um like it 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 does it it's the little things that i feel like they're kind of throwing throwing in there that is is kind of helping them on this road like they're going to be in rochester uh tomorrow which is probably going to be a big show if if they have any kind of Brody lee tribute plans um and then they it sounds like they're trying to get a yeah, yeah, no, it's gonna. I'm, it I'm yeah, no, it's gonna be big. I'm just trying to, you know, you know, play, play it down a little bit. But uh, it does feel like they're they're the Mall of America has already announced that they would be open to having AEW at some point. That um, a, that's massive. <laughs> yep. Wait, 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 hold on. I want to go back for a second, and I want to make this clear. At this point in the, in the, this, I have no skin in the game for any wrestling company. Yeah, no. I, I want everybody to succeed because it's a great art. It's a great sport. Yeah. Uh, how did they announce that they are all in on doing a show at the mall? Did they like tweet out like, hey, come build a ring next to the piercing pagoda? Like, <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, I am a pretzel in a center, a center bond. Just call it a day, guys. I am. St- yeah. I'm, st- I'm still working on where this actually came from. It's it's Fightful, so it's entirely possible one of the crazy guys at Fightful just was like emailed Mall of America and was like, hey, would you guys be open to AEW? And they were like, yeah, why not? I mean, it's um, a big mall. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a big mall. And it it would add to that story that AEW is kind of building because like they. But they're a t-shirt company. 
We're not well, on topic. Pick up a culture for you there. <laughs> not that they're a t-shirt company, but they are, they're the ghost of pro wrestling's past, re, you know, re-emerging. And so if they can do the big show at Mall of America, hell, once they get, once they get the COVID numbers down, maybe they'll do a, a, a show at Sturgis. It'll, you know, they're, it, it. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they start getting, no, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they start getting a little cocky though. I'm just sort of like, let's go mall of America. Let's go. I mean, look, I, maybe they're going to try for a baseball stadium at some point next year, but it feels like, it feels like they are on a, they have a, pretty, a football stadium in Jacksonville. It's like right there. Yes. But that's very expensive where look, I'm not going to, I, I don't, I don't know how much of this I'm allowed to talk about, but yeah, they're, they've talked to some baseball stadiums already. Um, like they, they are, they're getting ready to do a baseball stadium show next year. I don't know where, but they are, they're, they're getting ready for it. Jackson, the, the show in Jacksonville, I feel like that's going to be, that's way down the line. That's going to be their final victory lap when they're finally like, if we're going to do our first NFL stadium, let's do it in Jacksonville. But I I feel like they're kind of giving for lack of a better term, they're letting that territory rest after spending a, a year of getting 500 people in the doors every week somehow. Cause like they, re- I mean, they worked hard during the pandemic to keep Daly's place full. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there's, they're letting Jacksonville rest for a little bit. Um, but yeah, they're on, they're on a hell of a streak. It's been, it's been pretty spectacular to watch. Cause like, if anyone's listened to this show, I, you know, I'm, I, I am a professional wet blanket. I try to find the cynicism. <laughs> I try to find the the way to poop on the party, and I I can't really poop on this party. They've really they've they've figured out some they've figured out some some real real interesting ways to make people believe again. Um, and you know, with, with the Brody Lee tribute show that's that's coming up, who knows what else they're gonna? I mean, we we might be seeing Bray Wyatt soon. We might be seeing or Wyndham Rotunda or whatever his name is is gonna gonna be outside of there. But it sounds like he's getting ready to to pop back in. Um, I feel like they got to do Madison Square Garden at some point. Like that story is is kind of built in. Like this was the this was the company that Cody the Bucks and Kenny gave up Ring of Honor's Madison Square Garden show to found. And now if they can they can find their way into that arena, I think that would that would be a big full circle moment. So there's still plenty of stuff to to do on that bucket list. But man, it does feel like uh, especially with this this new Warner Media deal kicking in pretty soon with it's going to put uh, Dynamite on TBS and Rampage on TNT. Gonna going to be an interest it's just getting started it feels like it's just getting started uh but speaking of just getting started we have we have been talking for about 40 minutes about everything in the wrestling world we're on tama's island right now and we have not even brought up save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90 percent lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or 7-up all with your card shop these deals at your local kroger today or tap the screen now to download the kroger app to save big today kroger fresh for everyone prices and product availability subject to change restrictions apply see site for details G1 Climax once. We talked about Tama having to face Tanahashi a little bit at the beginning, but uh, this has not been your usual G1 Climax. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to lean on Karen for this because I know you've been, you've been kind of keeping up with me for the past. Uh, we're, we're up to show six. We'll, beginning, we'll be beginning in, in a couple, couple of hours. Uh, by the time this episode airs, it will have already aired, but I'm not going to pretend that I know what's going to happen tonight. Uh, it, it, 
it feels like this G1 is really a desperate, like, and I, I use this term lovingly, a desperate search for the face of New Japan in, in 2022 and beyond. Am I wrong, Karen? Like, because it feels like the usual, the usual suspects are, are kind of, are, are kind of left wanting, and there's a lot of fresh faces making some surprises. What have you kind of thought of this, this New Japan, this G1 climax? If we've learned nothing from Naito's knee giving mm-hmm. out, New Japan needs to start thinking about who's going to carry the company yep. in the next few years. Don't get me wrong. I love Naito. I'm a huge LIJ fan. I yep. love Tanahashi. But they know that their bodies, after nearly 20 years, are on borrowed time. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, and Sorry, I love can't... Okada, but he's been wrestling since he was 15. Mm-hmm. He's been having to do a lighter year because of his back. Ibushi got aspiration pneumonia. It's when you put all of your energy and all of your booking and all of your focus into only a handful of people and you don't do enough to build up the rest of the people who are breaking their backs for the company to mm. make them into credible competitors. You know, you said like when the G1 was uh, the blocks were announced, people were like, why, why, why is there six mm-hmm. people from Bullet Club? Why, why is mm-hmm. where's where's Jay? Where's Osprey? Where are all these people? But it's one of those things where it's just like one still in a global pandemic can't yep. be helped. Yep. It is what it is. And, you know, the Japan is not changing. They're like decreasing their uh, quarantine requirements, but they went from 14 days to 10, even yep. if you're fully vaccinated yep. and you get a PCR test saying you're negative. So that really doesn't do anything if you're an international talent who has to come in and still quarantine. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's just adding unnecessary time. Yep. Um, but they, the thing is, is that there are some players that they've put into this G1 mm-hmm. that I'm very excited about. Yeah. And you- it's, it's one of those things. It's not just, you know, not, not just my normal baby faces. Yeah. But there have been some changes I've seen amongst Bullet Club in particular that have really well, caught my attention. Well, let's talk about those changes because, like, it, you're not wrong. Like I said, Ibushi got aspirational pneumonia. He's been kind of held back in these past the what a block has gone through three rounds now abushi yeah. is one and two, one for one and two so he's not uh not exactly got a winning record um shingo takagi did, has been doing okay but he he has because of the injury to naito he's a little behind in the points at the moment because he had to be, he had to face yuji nagata instead of an actual tournament competitor this past week. And then the, the show before that, he lost to Zack Sabre Jr. And so even the IWGP world champion, who I, I maintain Shingo has the most pressure on him because not only is he the champion, but he's also got Will Ospreay running around North America saying that he's the real champion and kind of shooting his mouth off while he fights Young Lions and... Uh, hangs out with TJP. I don't, it doesn't really, I, I don't know. I don't know what Osprey's doing, but he's not what you would call IWGP world champion behavior. And so it feels like Shingo, without even doing anything, already has all this pressure on him. He's coming out of fighting COVID. And now he has, he's, now he's lost to Zack Sabre Jr. He can't get that momentum that he would get from, from the Naito match. What, how do you kind of feel about Shingo? Shingo's standing, not just in the G1, but in New Japan right now as this kind of, uh, he's kind of very put upon. The thing is, is that Shingo's in that same place where Tanahashi and Naito and Ibushi are. He's mm-hmm. at the top yep. and he's having to shoulder a lot of responsibility, especially when someone like Naito, who is beloved by the fans, 
to the point that when they announced he was going to be forfeiting the rest of the competition, a lot of Japanese fans started selling their tickets. They're like, if Naito's not in it, I don't want to be there. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) You got to look beyond. I mean, Mm -hmm. speaking of a girl who has favorites, you got to look beyond your one favorite and look at what could the the potential be for other people. Because, you know, again, Shingo's in that that, that upper 30s. Mm-hmm. It's not a young spring chicken. Nope. They need to think about other people. Yeah. And he, I honestly, with the way that, you know, Osprey getting injured and having to leave and all of that, Shingo's done the best with what he was given. Yes. And, you know, when Ibushi got sick, Tanahashi stepped in. Tanahashi didn't have to step in, but nope. Tanahashi's a company man. He's going to do whatever he can to make the company succeed. Yep. So it's, it's like there, and it was interesting because on Japanese commentary, when, Shingo was at ringside for Ibushi versus Tanahashi. Mm-hmm. He made the comment that he respected Tanahashi more because he's stepping, he, he's doing what he can to make sure everyone succeeds. Yep. Is he, is Tanahashi going to have a great G1 this year? Probably not. And we'll see. B blocks. <laughs> but, but I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it goes back to, you know, Shingo is going to do what he does and he's going to do the best he can. That's yeah. that's all any of us can really expect of anyone given the current situation around the world. Yeah. No, and I'm, I of it. Try to be supportive. Hope for the best, plan for the worst. No, no, I'm I'm with you. I I think there's a lot of especially I think the Nido injury makes for a very interesting I think it threw a very interesting wrench in everything cuz up until he got injured, Naito was one of the people I had picked to win this year because, you know, they have that mystical thing where every four years Naito wins. And so this even was if supposed to be his year. And, yeah. And so if, even if this wasn't this his year, it feels like he was supposed to make it to the finals to really add that, you know, to whoever was in B block to be like, well, can they go up against the mystical force of Tetsuya Naito winning every four years? And so it, it does feel like they really lost a major story component to this year's G1 with Naito's injury. There's also um, been the concern of who's who's the true leader of LIJ now because yes. Shingo has been carrying the main title and t- Naito has been taking a back seat. But yes. that's the thing about LIJ they they all manage their own business. Well, and and I don't I I understand why that why people have been having that debate, but it doesn't feel like LIJ has been as out of sorts as the people that want the the dissension there to you know have been kind of projecting onto them because like we're, we're the not most... in lij is fine t- territory just yet yeah no exactly because like the the most recent uh the most recent uh world title defense against evil all of lij like came to help shingo takagi which if you're if you've ever followed lij not something they usually do usually they just sit in the back and they're like eh, they'll be able to handle themselves but this time lij stood united and so I don't know if it really matters who's leading it if they actually can get along. I think I think clearly they know who's leading it and the rest of us can just kind of ask questions. But speaking of who's leading what, if we're going to be talking about, you know, the the power dynamics of the G1, we have six members of Bullet Club in this year's G1. And not only do we have six members in in the G1 over in North America, Jay White is saying I'm the one who makes all the calls. I am the leader of Bullet Club. I am the front man. And then over in Japan, we got Tama Tonga running around in the backstage comments saying, you got to remember who put you in your place. I'm the one that's been making all of the recruits. And as far as Tama's concerned, it's open season. 
And so it does feel like while everyone's kind of trying to figure out who's in charge of LIJ, Bullet Club is having a very real power struggle at the moment, especially now that there's this extra appendage to Bullet Club known as House of Torture. Because as as everyone knows, Sho broke away from, from Rapongi 3K and Chaos. He joined up with Evil, Dick Togo, Yujiro Takahashi in what is now known as House of Torture. Uh, Karen has a as a house of it's one of their scarves I believe the house or is it a shirt? It's a t-shirt, but it's a t-shirt. It's a little, it's a little too big for him. Gotcha. So I just kind of like swaddled him in. There's it. the there's the house of torture t-shirt, but yeah, it does kind of add to the it does add to the the issue that you know Bullet Club has to wrestle each other a lot more than they normally would in the G1. You know, we've already saw seen Tomatonga and Chase Owens go at it. We've already seen there's in A Block, Yujiro and uh, Kenta have to go at it. Tom has got to take on Evil at some point down the road. Uh, what do you kind of see as all of this? I don't want to call it dissension necessarily, but there's a lot of shit talk going on, especially between Tama and Jay right now. Um, what what's going on? It's gonna get it. It feels like it's gonna get it's gonna get really weird because as as Thomas brought up, guys like Chris Bay, guys like Hikuleo, these are not people Jay White really brought in. I mean, Jay White technically gave Chris Bay a T-shirt, but you listen to this podcast, Thomas talking a lot like he's one of the people that uh that recruited the 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 leader of the finesse club. So I'm gonna start. Yep. When we talk about keeping score, yeah. Thomas brought in Kenta. Yep. He's brought in Ishimori. Yep. Uh, Fale's brought in, was responsible for Robbie Eagles. Yep. But hey, everyone, the mistakes happen. Yeah, well, you know, they had a good run. Yep. <laughs> Brief as it was. He brought no, in I Eagle. Robbie. I, I no, like, Robbie's, I, Robbie's great, but he's over I, in chaos now. <laughs> he brought in Eagle. I liked Robbie. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Get with the program, Steve. Yeah, I know. I forgot where I'm at. And I remember the time last year when Thomas said that show was one of the people in the bullet, cro- bullet hair crosshairs. Nicolay mm-hmm. was family. So, you know, it would be weird if he didn't stay with the family. Yep. But, you know, I don't mean to be like, what has Jay White done for me lately? But what has Jay White done for Bullet Club lately besides give out a T-shirt? It's it. You're, you make a very good point because Jay White at the beginning of this year was having a pretty damn good year. He had a, a one of the longest re- uh, Wrestle Kingdom main events with Kota Ibushi. He then cut a 10-minute promo that was the talk of the wrestling world. And then he just kind of disappeared for a while. Yes, there's there's been a pandemic, and so it's not like he can you know bounce between North America and Japan a lot. But I, I don't know. I feel like him kind of... His sojourn in Impact Wrestling has kind of brought him down a peg, at least in the Bullet Club hierarchy, or at least in at least in in fans' eyes. It doesn't it doesn't feel like the Never Champion is as central to the New Japan world as he had been over the past few years, especially since joining Bullet Club. Am I wrong, Karen? No, you're not wrong. But the, here's the other thing: leadership is a service role. Mm-hmm. When you think of who is a leader. And who is a front man? That's two different things. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Is that, well, you may put your biggest title or wh- wh- whomever in Bullet Club has the biggest title is your front man. Mm-hmm. You know, Finn Bell, or sorry, Fergal Devitt, AJ Styles, Kenny Omega, Jay White. Mm-hmm. But all of those individuals had expiration dates. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if Jay White's hitting his expiration date because if you're standing there saying, I'm the leader, I'm in charge you're not doing anything for anybody else in your group 
Mm. You're not raising anybody else up and you're talking about what you what you bring to the table. What tag team titles has Jay White held? Okay. Has he held the Never Six Man? Has he held the IWGP uh, Heavyweight Championship tag team titles? He hasn't. So is Jay White doing what's best for Bullet Club or what's best for Jay White? That's a very, it's a very interesting question, especially... Sorry, we got, we got a motorcycle gang going by. Especially in... <laughs> uh, I, I live right down the street from the Lincoln Park Pirates, uh, and so I end up getting, getting a lot of those motorcycle traffic. But yeah, it does kind of feel like Jay White has been focusing on himself a little bit more over the past year or so. And when you're dealing with a unit like Bullet Club, I mean, that it, you're right. What has Jay White done lately? It's going gonna, it's gonna to get weird because at the end of the day, Tama can talk from Japan, but he has to really trust that Hikuleo, Chris Bay, that they, the, the pieces he's put in place, right? He needs, to, he needs to be able to trust that they can follow through and so I think that's going to be the big that's going to be the big question is who is going to who's going to stay loyal and who might go off with Jay or who might go off with Tama hell who might go to House of Torture or who might who might get the idea from House of Torture to go start their own thing if it does I started the G1 being like I think Bullet Club's going to be fine and now we're like six shows in and I'm already like oh lord we're headed for civil war it's uh it's it's the it's it's antebellum bullet club uh, is this is this firing squad 2.0 or 2.5 or 3.0 yeah, well, yeah i was gonna i was gonna say i feel like we did this before yeah, was, it, and is it, it that, a deja vu i think and so. that, yeah. that's that's why i feel like the this the the fear creeps up a little bit more because like when it happened the last time the firing squad showed up no one knew what to expect we didn't know this was coming but now, now history has happened, and so we're able to sort of see the the, the signs coming that like, oh my god, is might... Jay starting a wrestling company? Hey, <laughs> you know what? You laugh, but Dave Meltzer keeps bringing up the fact that there's going to be one more North American wrestling company to pop up at some point. He's oh, like, goodness. it's going to, yeah. And so I, and and let's not forget that Jeff Jarrett is running around in the wild right now. So it's entirely possible that that Jay White and Jeff Jarrett and whoever else end up popping up with Global Force Wrestling 2.0 or 2.5. I don't know which version of Global Force Wrestling this would be. But uh yeah, it's never you never never count out the the uh idea that someone sees how much success is happening in North American wrestling and goes, "I want to as well." Uh it it could get it could get very very interesting. Now, since we're talking about the G1 climax, that is not the only big ass tournament that's happening in Japan at the moment. There's also the N1 going on in Noah. I'm out of touch with that, so I can't really. I, I some of the matches have been very good, but I can't truly speak to that. But the other tournaments going on, Stardom's five star Grand Prix is also going on. And Karen, you've been covering it for uh, for post wrestling. Uh, what give us an update here, especially since Stardom is now the sibling promotion of New Japan Pro Wrestling under that Bushi Road banner. What uh, how is the what what are some highlights from the Grand Prix? What is what are your thoughts on the the Stardom? Am I Grand allowed Prix? to drop the spoilers? Because yeah, I, no spoiler spoiler away. I want you to get everyone up to date so that way everyone oh, listening man. right now can be like, yeah, I know what's going on in Stardom. If, They've if, set if, me straight. If, if you're new to Stardom or you never watched Stardom, please, 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 please. When it becomes available on Stardom World, I think later this week, maybe. Yep. Watch, start start with the five star Grand Prix final last day. Okay. Because you will learn very quickly why Shuri was the one who won the whole dang thing. Okay. He was absolutely incredible. 
Mm-hmm. Her league match against uh, Takumi Iroha went mm-hmm. to a time limit draw, Ooh. and it was on level in my mind mm-hmm. with Shuri Utami that got the five. The, the five. Oh yeah, it was on that level. Okay, hard hitting, fast paced. And if you're not familiar with Marvelous, which is the promotion that Takumi is a part of, mm-hmm. she's their ace. So it, it's it's one of those like they sent over like their top char- uh, character, their top wrestler to participate in the five star. Okay. It was an absolutely incredible match. Nice. The problem with that match is that there's only one other match between that match and the final where she had to wrestle Momo Watanabe, who mm-hmm. had a very like was on the very first match of the card in a dark match. Because okay. Momo's league son, uh, sorry, league son, league match. <laughs> mixing my Japanese and my English. That's fine. That's why. That's that's why we have you here. You have that. You have that. Le- you have that legitimacy that I just don't have. Let's um, be real. <laughs> her match that was scheduled for Saturday was against Julia, who had to drop out of the tournament because of lingering neck issues. Um, of course, Julia is like she's become in the last year one like Okada and Tanahashi. She's been carrying the company, rocketing to stardom pun intended oh, yeah. after you know being with the company for only about two years now mm-hmm. um but shuri won the whole thing her match was incredible and it was awesome because uh earlier today when they announced the the weekly pro wrestling or shoe pro when they announced they announced the cover the day before it goes out mm-hmm. shuri was with uh yuzupon who was like one of the og stardom idol wrestlers one of the, like now she's retired mm-hmm. but she was on commentary for the match they were on a location uh, taping today together and she shot a picture of Shuri finding out that she was on the cover. Oh. So she's like freaking out yeah. and they just posted a picture of it, but they wrote on the cover, Shuri, Shuyaku. But Shuyaku means like lead character or you know, Naito would always say, Ore wa Shuyaku da. I'm mm. main guy, I'm the one. But the, the kanji for Shuyaku, they changed the first uh, character to the first character in Shuri's name. So it basically said, Shuri's your lead. And it has a picture of her hoisting the trophy, confetti everywhere. When she won, Donna Del Mundo, all the members, including Julia, who was injured, Mm. dove into the ring, threw their arms around her. I was crying at like five o'clock in the morning. I'm like, this is so wonderful. (laughs) Um, And they, while Shuri's trying to give her acceptance, you know, her acceptance speech, they set up a couple of other matches for, uh, sorry, full title of this is really, really long. 10th anniversary grand final stardom Osaka Cinderella 2021. Got it. <laughs> on October 9th. <laughs> so they set up the white belt match, the red belt match. Um, and then Shuri uh, announced that because they announced stardom Real Goku Dream Queendom, mm-hmm. as the, they've done Cinderella specials all throughout the last couple of years, but gotcha. forget Wrestle Kingdom. They've got their own now. They're going to Dream Queendom. On mm. December 29th, the winner of uh, ta- uh, Takumi Iroha and Utami Hayashishita, who mm-hmm. in their match during the five star, they drew. So they're getting, a, they're revisiting that. Okay. She gets the winner. Damn. And on top of everything else, Shuri's had a very difficult year mm-hmm. because right around this time last year, her mom died Ooh. and she just kept working and kept working. So part of her acceptance speech at the very, very end was that she's like relieved that she could finally show her mom something to be proud of. And we're, everyone's like, no, 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 your mom's been proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't think that she hasn't been. Oh. So it, it was just 
being able to like stardom has consistently put when they put their main event uh shows on every month mm -hmm. there is always something amazing that happens i just say they, especially they, they've minted a new star with mm -hmm. her by having like not going with an old faithful like mayu Batani mm -hmm. or momo or anybody else well and, and so they've it's they've, very exciting they've had a very good streak of that because it's like you said shuri's rise has kind of come in the wake of of julia's injury and julia was the last kind of woman that it felt like stardom was really starting to kind of build around especially after she had a, a hair versus hair match they oh, shaved so good it was a great so match good. but then i don't think anyone was prepared for how powerful shaved head julia was really gonna be and that kind of brought her to that next that next level and it, it really it, you know we talk about how new japan has had for lack of a better term, difficulty making newer stars like stardom is is the opposite of that. Whereas everyone that they've kind of relied on since uh, since the beginning has taken a back seat to these these new uh, these new stars. And I'm I, so far the G1 climax feels like they're they're on that road because Jeff Cobb has a ton of momentum. Zack Saber Jr. has a ton of momentum. Great Oak Khan is at the top of A Block, and so it does. It does feel like the new stars are kind of making their faces known as we head into, because it's not just about Wrestle Kingdom. It's not just about the G1 Climax. Whoever heads, whoever has the world title next year is the world champion during New Japan's 50th anniversary year. And that's going to be a real important moment. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Okada. Okada should not be the face of the next 50 years. I love Tanahashi, should not be the face of the next 50 years. And so that's where guys like Cobb, Saber, Great Okan, uh, I'm trying, Yoshihashi. Yoshihashi, maybe. I'm, I'm pulling for him to beat maybe. Okada tomorrow. He might, it's very <laughs> possible. It's very possible the the run that uh, uh, never six-man, open-weight six-man tag champion Yoshihashi has been on, it's very possible that he beats Okada. But it it feels like Ibushi was supposed to be that guy. It feels like that you know at the beginning of this year at the end of last year ibushi was going to be that face of the 50th anniversary now here we are and i just i don't see that happening i mean between the way his double title reign went and then the way his summer went and now the way his g1 climax is going it just doesn't feel like it feels like we're watching the 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 long fall of kota ibushi am i wrong karen what do you what do you kind of get from kota ibushi's year I feel like they put Kota in a difficult spot mm -hmm. because, you know, when the double gold dash first started, people were okay with it so long as the belts stayed the same. And then they decided to retire two of the most gorgeous belts I have seen in my entire life mm -hmm. for a belt that it it's grown on me since for some reason since Shingo's been carried and I'm like mm, oh, oh it's per okay and I I even said this when they debuted the new belt I'm like that I will look great on Shingo that is a Shingo belt it's a, it's it's a beefy man belt like yep. you can't have a petite waist for that belt nope. it's like eight feet of gold yeah um but the thing is is that they didn't do him any favors by having the interview where he said that I know this isn't a popular opinion, but I want to unify the belts. And then yep. they that they they made that part of the narrative, which mm -hmm. for some people tanked the, his popularity with them. Mm -hmm. And then they hot shot that title onto Osprey. Yep. And then Osprey got hurt. Yep. And then left without doing what most other um, injured individuals who had a title at the time, for example, Hiromu mm -hmm. or Yo via show. 
he didn't stay long enough to surrender the belt. Yep. Whether it was a video, like a video, a press conference, had a Korak win, because there was a whole bunch of Korak win shows going on at that time. Yep. He could have just showed up and be like, mm, I can't do this right now. And maybe that would have changed it a little bit and made it a little bit easier. Because at that time, you know, we didn't know what Osprey's return table was. Yep. But then, you know, he comes back four months later, fully healed, but it's like, nah, mate, I'm not doing the G1. And I'm like, you want to prove that you're the real champion? Yep. Go to the G1, win it, and be like, all right, you, me, Shingo, title for title. Let's prove who's the real champion. Yep. No, it's it, stand there on social media and like, I'm the champion, I'm the champion. If you have to say it so many times, you're not the champion. Well, and, and let's be real. Let's be real about this. We're going to talk about Osprey's run in North America. It's really hard for him to say he's the champion when you've got Shingo. Shingo beat Okada in the Dome. Shingo beat Hiroshi Tanahashi in the Dome. And Will Osprey got a win over some young Lions in Garland, Texas. I, I Garland, Texas is a fine place. The young Lions... The young lions are coming along on their uh, on their journey, but Okada, they are not. Tanahashi, they are not. And so not it does not yet, but yeah, but right now, but maybe when, in ten years. But 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 we're talking about 2021, the year that Will Osprey decided that my run is equal to Shingo's. It's not like it's just nope. just freaking. Not, and I, I I don't even feel like you can say that. I I feel like saying that isn't even dis- disrespectful to the young lions because even they know they're not. You know, at the at the level that. Uh, they're not Okada in the Dome. They're not, ta- especially not Tanahashi in the Dome. Very few people are. That's one of the big things about- Tanahashi is Tanahashi in the Dome. That's it. No, exa- exactly. And that's <laughs> that's one of the big deals. Is it's Takagi is one of like five people that have beaten Hiroshi Tanahashi in their first try in the Tokyo Dome. And so like he's in some rarefied air and Osprey just hasn't entered there yet. And he's, you know, yes, he's recruiting for the United Empire. He's added Aussie Open to the group, which I feel like is something a lot of people have been asking for. They're a great tag team. I'm interested to see what they happens there. have earned yes. the right to be part of New Japan's roster. Absolutely. They're outstanding, and I'm thrilled for them. Absolutely. As right, before the, uh, right before the pandemic happened, they it felt like they were right right there they were going to break out they had that great match at royal quest with yeah. tama and tangaloa like this I, I i wish them nothing but the best and now he's added uh tjp as well to the united empire which you know what i'm gonna say makes a lot of sense i think tjp and will osprey are going to be a a, a good tag team together i think they will play off each other very well and i'm, I'm glad tjp has finally figured out that he's a heel He's one of those. He's, he's one, no. He's one of those guys. He's, he's got he, his niche. Exactly. Finally. No. He's and the, he's exactly like Osprey in this way. Whenever Osprey was a babyface, no one bought it. And now that he's a heel, everyone's ready to say, "Boo this man!" I want to see him get punched in the face, as you should with a heel. And I'm 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 interested to see what TJP can do now that the chains are off and he's allowed to also be a be a bad guy. So there, it it's. It's interesting, but it's not I'm the world champion, look at me levels yet. And so I I I hope it's not we're not just waiting for Wrestle Kingdom for Will to show up, but I get the vibe we're waiting for Wrestle Kingdom for Will to show up. But here's the thing. There's a difference between amassing mm-hmm. and handpicking a group. Yep. For example, Bullet Club. Mm-hmm. We know of the level and the some might say vetting process of Bullet Club. Yep. When it came to people who they were going to pick for a junior spot in the United Empire, TJP, honestly, 
nice guy. Not wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. I had three picks that mm-hmm. I was very confident in and you know, would have made a good fit. Okay. So it makes me wonder, do you want me to run those down real quick? Yeah, no, I was about to say, who are these three picks? Cause like I, I hadn't necessarily thought of it as a junior. I was paying attention to the fact that like Osprey was like, it's going to be Buddy Murphy. And then Buddy Murphy was like, no, no, it's not. Stop saying that. And then he was like, it's going to be Chris Hero. And Chris, Chris Hero is so mad and, about that. And, yeah, no, Chris Hero just jumps into the replies like, take my name out of your mouth, delete the tweet, stop, do not let, do not let anyone believe that I'm going to be a United Empire member. I was, so like, I was Christopher, no. It was, no, no. It was I, spicy. I, you know, I loved, I loved every second Wait, of it. Wait, pause, pause, pause. Go yep. back. I, I want to hear what exactly happened. So Osprey was teasing that in Garland, Texas, he's going to be having a new member join the uh, United Empire. And so his, he starts being like, all right, it's going to be, it's, I've, I've got a buddy of mine that's going to come join me. I've been talking to my buddy. My buddy's going to be here. And Buddy Murphy just had to eventually go on Twitter and be like, Will, stop telling people it's going to be me. It's not going to be me. So then he said, a hero will rise. I'm going to have a hero joining me. And so Chris Hero goes into the, into the replies. He's like, please stop making people think it's me. Delete the tweet. Please, your your false advertising. Like Chris Hero got heated over over the implication that it might be him. Uh, in, really funny in the match. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is that Chris is one of those guys that he understands what it's like to be a fan mm-hmm. and what it's like to know like because you know he hasn't wrestled since his his WWE release. Yep, and he's made it known that he's had offers and he's he's turned them down. Fine, he's turned yeah. them down. So the fact that you know he was being used as an avenue to promote a match for a show that he wasn't going to be at. Mm-hmm. I can understand why he was, he did not clip words. Yep. He just, he's like, it's not me. Stop it. Yep. And I felt like maybe some of the other names that were named should have done the same thing. Oh yeah. But it's, but- it's, it's funnier because of how nice Chris hero is on Twitter. <laughs> like this is a guy who his social media presence is not what one would call antagonistic at all. And so when, when he decides to get angry, you know, you've screwed up, you know, that someone's if you, if crossed upset, the line. A very wholesome King, like Chris hero. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. Chris, Chris stop, the man, son. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Chris, no, that's the man. So if you're going to piss him off, you, you definitely done fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's that. And I, that's why I will say it's. I'm not saying Chris Hero is in the wrong. If I was Chris Hero, I also would have said shut the fuck up. But like, I it, it's just it's so much funnier when it's because like, for lack of a better term, Buddy Murphy's the kind of guy who like even even if it was going to be him, I could see him being like, hey, Will, cut it out, don't make me, you know, like he he just kind of he, he played with it. He's very he, laid back. So yeah, and he and he was. I would, he, I would love to see him in a New Japan ring, though. Of course, he'd be great in the New Japan. In the but G1, don't put him. In best of super juniors put him no. in g1 he's a he's a beefy boy now he's got to be a heavyweight um yes. he, he's, but, Shing, he's a shingo beefy heavyweight but yeah but no it, it but and he was more like he was more like oh i'm just glad people are talking about me whereas chris hero is like he's gonna that when he chris hero shows up it's gonna be a big deal and he does not want it kind of out there that he's it might want tainted <laughs> yeah well because he's also i mean to really pull the curtain back he's been doing a lot of producing work for some other companies yeah so like he is backstage he is at some of these shows and so he really doesn't want to he does not want people thinking that just because they they you know may have seen him that he's going to be popping up as long as they know he's doing producing work it 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 keeps that expectation low and it keeps it keeps 
uh, 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 hero in control of it. But yeah, it wasn't Chris Hero, it wasn't Buddy Murphy, it was TJP. And so there is there is your current United Empire, Jeff Cobb, Great O'Conn, Will Osprey, TJP, and Aussie Open. Um, and I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm excited. This is gonna be probably the last thing we talk about as we as we come up on an hour fifteen here on this supersized episode oh, of Thomas Island. No, no, that's that's partially on me. I tend to go for a while, um, but it, yeah, it, I know. Yep. I know. Steve, Steve remembers the early days when we weren't broadcasting and we still had to like edit stuff down. Uh, I think for two and a half hours, and I'm like, I, my dinner's been called for. Yep. No, I, there were some, there were some G1 episodes last year, which is me, Tongalo, and Tomatongers talking for like three hours. Anyway, this is not going to be that because now all we have to talk about is New Japan Strong. It's got a new time slot, uh, Saturdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. And it's got fans now. Like we said, the Autumn Attack show that was done this weekend, those uh, shows will be taped for New Japan Strong. And Karen, you were in Los Angeles for the uh, most the last set of New Japan Strong tapings, one of which just aired uh, this past Saturday that featured a tables match between uh, Hikuleo and Juice Robinson, a brutal match. What was that match like live in the uh, in the studio? So I was in the back in the standing room area. So it was like it was cool because everyone else sat down so I could actually see what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what kind of tables they brought, but those are not the normal tables they have at New Japan shows that like, you know, you yep. sneeze like five feet away and they snap in half. Mm-hmm. So when Juice did that senton off the top rope, Mm-hmm. And his head hit that table. Mm-hmm. You could hear a pin drop Oof. in the venue. And it was a sick thud. It was not good. So it was one of those things that it was like, everyone was like, ooh, ooh mm-hmm. is he okay? And he got, you know, they kept going. But it was one of those, those things after the match. It was a good match. It was a hard-hitting match. But afterwards, they had like four guys climb into the ring to help, you know, set him up and get him out of the table and everything. So mm-hmm. we were all a bit worried about him. But then, you know, he showed up an impact like a couple of days later. Everything was fine. But we're like, oh, God, Juice is dead. Yeah, that's why that's why I wanted to ask about it because it was a brutal match. And so, yeah. like, I can only imagine how it's because it's like you described the, the head smacking off that oh, that table. It was a sickening thud. It was and oh. it's. And it's a soundstage, so that sound gets real amplified. Like every, I'm sure everyone heard that. Um, but yeah, New Japan. Well, just I don't want to. I don't want to delve too deep because plenty of those episodes haven't uh, aired yet. But what what was the vibe like in the arena? What was the New Japan Strong taping kind of? How, how was it? It was a really good vibe. It, I mean, there yep. was a good crowd. A lot of them were at Resurgence, but you could tell that these were the the. A lot of the fans that were there were the ones that. Or you'd see at any New Japan show around the country. Those yep. are the ones that make the towns, and you know, those are the ones that you know they know who's who and what's what. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some people that were there for the first time, which was great. I mean, always glad yeah. to see new people there. Hell yeah! But it, it was also it was interesting because the commentary table was behind us mm-hmm. in the standing room area. So Kevin and uh, oh my gosh, he's got um, is is it still Alex Kozlov? Yes. That's I was, I was like I was gonna say because it's yeah it's it's Kevin Kelly Alec Koslov and then they they have um Matt uh, I'm still working on how Rain to pronounce Holt. it Ray yeah. Holt yeah he wasn't part of it but yeah Koslov and Kevin were behind us mm-hmm. with the the camera that was focused in the ring but the ring announcers were on the opposite far end with like where the uh, near the ramp mm-hmm. so it was interesting because it the way that the room it was very long room it wasn't okay. more it wasn't square so it was like. Most of the audience was on the hard cam side. Gotcha. 
and like there was like a very like one row on each side of the ring mm-hmm. and then like along the ramp so like the, the sound balance felt kind of off okay but also because there was um some very enthusiastic fans that had um very unique commentary of their own that they tried to add to the show. <laughs> uh, some of the audio from the crowd noise seems to have been turned down a bit for the better. Okay, no, don't don't just some, leave, don't just tease us a little bit. What what was going on in the crowd? Appropriate things that were being said. <laughs> yeah, some- specifically from a very drunk woman. Okay, not me, by the way. No, you're very respectful. We know that. <laughs> I tried my best, <laughs> but it was one of those things where it was like, I was very, I appreciated her bold, bold <laughs> bravery in the moment. But for a lot of people were like, mm, she, somebody needs to stop her, but nobody really did. So yeah. I think they took the volume for the crowd and just turned it way down. So I was like listening to her, I'm like, I know we were a lot louder than that. But especially when Tanahashi came out, yep. the room was electric. That's but why- it didn't translate on the screen. That's that's why I had to ask because I was like, "There's something, something's going on there." Where like the volume was turned down a fair yeah, bit. because especially because like, don't get me wrong. When when the Garland Texas shows comes out, that's an arena. The, the acoustics you have to you have to play around with. I get that, but in the sound stage, y'all should have been louder. And so I knew there had to be something going on. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm assuming they don't like for the sound stage shows. They don't screen the crowd and kind of give them cues like, "Hey, this is the kind of like." audience we're looking for based on our programming nothing yeah. like that no. there is okay. there is not a cheerleader in the corner telling you to boo this guy and to cheer this guy and to get him out no oh I, I would think that they would at least want to give you someone like hey have you watched our shows before like in japan because this is kind of no. what they sound like no, no. okay but, to me- but but we got to use our voices which you know it was nice it was nice to be able to be you know to say go ace mm-hmm. and to be able to like, actually boo someone like osprey so it was it was it was good to be able to have that freedom but everybody was wearing masks so mm-hmm. it it you know well most people were uh but it, it felt it felt safe it mm-hmm. was a good time i enjoyed going i would go again if they ever do something on the East Coast, because they keep doing everything in California, and California is expensive. Now, California is very expensive. It, they are <laughs> they are coming to Philadelphia, and they are coming to uh, where the last show is going to be in uh, California. But they are coming to Philadelphia, so they will be I on keep, the East I keep, Coast. I keep, I keep looking at the Philly shows. So. Yeah, the, the Philly shows, the New Japan Showdown shows in Philadelphia. They look they look very interesting. But yeah, that was that was why I had to ask about the crowd noise because like we're so used to now about a year plus of the the no cheer crowds in japan that like i was tuned into new japan strong ready to hear some fans yell and they had they had to they had to turn that crowd noise down a little bit and it just it ah it hurt it hurt my soul because well, like yeah. i'm trying to get those cheers i need that i need that fix i need the, you, you need need the, the energy cheer. i need the pop yeah and, and the hard thing about the the japanese clap crowds it's it's not their fault no it's the, it's the and, that, and i think that's one of the things that a lot of the fans need to remember is that in order for them to hold the show, that is a government mandate. Mm-hmm. It's either clapping no voice or no event. Those yep. are th- those are the only two choices you're getting. Yep. No, and I'm I'm not I'm not holding it against the crowds for being oh, no. clap crowds. I understand oh, that no, Japan no, 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 no. has but, has but, their own problems, and and it, there it does. There's been a lot of opinions about the clap crowds. Yes. You know, it's not their fault. It's no. all they can do. No. If you and want it, the lights on and you want the ring ring things to happen. It is what it is. Make the yep. most of it. Yep. No, exactly. And and it does sound like the the state of emergency might be somewhat 
dropped over the next few months. It's it's they're not trying. looking. They're trying to, and it sounds like even if they do, Tokyo is still going to be known as what well, it's either like limbo or mambo rules, which means like they they kind of have to like they're just going to keep playing it by ear in Tokyo and and other larger cities. So I know I I'm trying to be optimistic about the the end of uh, clap crowds, but I think I think that's going to be with us uh, at least for the next the next few months. We'll see, we'll see, but uh, it's it's definitely getting. Getting interesting. Sorry, Steve, what were you going to say? I'm just happy they got through the Olympics. Yeah. Yep. I think they're happy that they got That was a completely different set of mm, I still problems. feel... <laughs> I, it's not... Don't get me wrong. I, I hate ever being in the position where I, I feel bad for uh, someone of this size, but I do kind of feel bad for the city of Tokyo having to do the Olympics without tourists because, like, that's the whole game. Like, it's not about... Don't get me wrong. Hosting the Olympics is an honor, but you're you're hoping for that tourist money. You're hoping and for no, that... You, you never make money anyway. No nope. city has made money on the Olympics. That's they, what I mean. They, they, they just doing... try to break even. Yeah. Exactly. And, that's, <laughs> like, and so when like you... the World Cup. Oh, uh, win. Nope, no, you never win. You just end up with a, a bunch of empty. <laughs> you end up with a, a, a bunch of the the empty stadiums as parking garages. Yeah, it was. I think it's Brazil where like a lot of them are used to park school buses Rio. now. Rio, it's yes, Rio. Rio de Janeiro. Um, but yeah, and so when you add the fact that they don't even get the the tax money, oh, just just unfortunate. I'm glad I'm glad they made it through it, and I'm glad y'all made it through this supersized episode of Thomas Island with us before we take it out i want to throw to y'all uh karen first of all where can people find you if you want them to find you <laughs> if you feel so inclined yeah. i am on twitch twitter instagram and youtube at hey karen sensei for those who are interested in, in stardom coverage i will be covering the big events for us uh, uh on post wrestling so just post i think it's postwrestling.com yep. and you'll find me on there i have yep. a whole one article right now Hell but yeah. It'll, it'll just be the big events. Uh, I'll be doing reviews. And then on my blog, which I'll link in my uh, my social, other social media, I do, I try to do somewhat weekly updates on stardom so people know what's going on in between the big shows. Awesome. That's it. Very cool. Yeah. Head on over, get that stardom coverage. Karen's very, she's got, she's got a damn good eye for this kind of thing. So don't, don't, uh, do not, do not sleep on that coverage. Steve, where can people find you if you want them to find you? Yeah, I don't know if uh, it's gimmick information. I don't know if Thomas still does this, but like I don't remember what my social handles are. Okay. Um, so if you want to find me, you can go to like 47th and 3rd in New York. I'm usually outside. Um, there's a, you got a hot dog a, cart? Because I should live with a hot dog cart. They got one of those little like free phone kiosks. You can plug your phone in across from CVS. Come there you go. <laughs> there you go. Go go hunt for Steve in Midtown. Uh, I'm over at Ross W. Berman IV on Twitter, at Ross Berman IV on Instagram. Ross Berman Bandcamp for all the music. This coming Bandcamp Friday, I don't have a release, but if you go buy my music on Friday, I get 100% of the proceeds. So go go on over to rossberman.bandcamp.com this Friday and, I don't know, throw me a few bucks. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Hopefully we will have Tama. If not, he'll be in the chat uh, kicking ass, taking names in the G1. Like I said, I'll be up at, at I believe it's 5.30 in the morning for the to tomorrow's coverage of the G1 Climax on WrestleZone.com. So uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Head on over to Patreon.com backslash Thomas Island. Subscribe if you want to be in a part of this weekend's happy hour. I know the month of October is going to be a lot of fun. So take care, y'all, and we will see you soon. Thank you for listening to this week's Thomas Island. Find more great Thomas Island content like the Shotgun Series, Weekly Happy Hour Zoom course with Tama, 
video versions of the podcast and much, much more at patreon.com forward slash Thomas Island and visit at Thomas Island on Instagram and Twitter.